Can't sleep? Don't want to sleep? Afraid to sleep? Are the windows closed? Are your doors locked? Did you check your closet? And under your bed? Maybe you should keep a light on in the hallway, just in case. Now settle in. Make yourself comfortable. Lay back. Close your eyes. And let me tell you a story. Do you believe in ghosts? That there is life after death? What if you were confronted with absolute and undeniable evidence of the survival of consciousness? The spirit of a loved one staring you in the face, as large as life, so to speak. Meet Gordon Comstock, a man who doesn't believe in ghosts, yet finds himself in a world where the barrier between the living and the dead no longer exists. Ghost City They were everywhere huddled around the lampposts, gathered in dark corners and alleys, wandering among the trees, and drifting aimlessly down the middle of the street. Ghosts, just out there, in the open, like they belonged. As Gordon exited the store, he saw her, the same woman standing in the same spot, smiling at him as if she knew him. She was attractive, about his age, he guessed, and there was something about her that seemed familiar. But she was a ghost, and he wanted nothing to do with her. Gordon looked away and bowed his head, his eyes focused on the sidewalk as he turned the corner onto the avenue where he lived. He carried his groceries in plastic sacks in both hands and walked briskly, counting the steps till he reached his front door. Even though he kept himself from looking at them directly, he still heard them. Their plaintive questions dogged him whenever he stepped outside. He knew once he acknowledged one of them, hundreds of others would swarm him, demanding his attention. He hated these weekly shopping trips, but the little store on the corner didn't deliver, so he had to make the journey to the tiny establishment every week to pick up his standing order of essentials, including a bottle of vodka. It was the only thing that helped him sleep. Once he reached his front stoop, Gordon shifted the bags from his right hand to the left, reached into his pocket for his keys, and unlocked the front door. He hurried inside, locking it behind him. Gordon set the bags down, allowing himself a moment to work the cramps out of his fingers. He glanced over at the device sitting in the middle of his living room, softly humming as it glowed with a faint blue light. Still working. Still keeping them out. He put the groceries away, poured himself an ounce of the vodka mixed with an equal amount of cranberry juice, and sat down in the lush recliner. There was a book sitting open and face down atop one armrest. He picked it up. Reading was the only thing he could do to pass the time without them intruding into his life. He couldn't even look outside without seeing them, which was why he had installed heavy curtains to block all the windows. The world had changed, and Gordon Comstock didn't like it one bit. He wished he could do something more than curse the company that had built the particle accelerator that was responsible but apparently, ripping a hole in the fabric of the universe was not a crime. Most people didn't seem to mind that quantum technology had torn asunder the barrier between the world of the living and the dead. Gordon didn't understand them, and wasn't natural. More than that, it was impossible. 
There was no such thing as life after death, as souls and ghosts. Yet here they were, everywhere you looked, like vermin crawling over a garbage heap. If it wasn't for the ghost repeller that sat on his coffee table, ironically manufactured by the same company that created the mess in the first place, he would have ended his own life. But if he did that, wouldn't he just become another of the listless souls haunting the earth? Someone knocked on his door. Gordon jumped up out of his chair, dropping his book. He glanced at the device on his coffee table, making sure it was still active. Who could it be? He had no friends. Not anymore. Not since they arrived. He walked cautiously to the front door and put an eye to the peephole. There was a man standing on his front porch, a friendly smile gracing his lips, and a fedora that matched his overcoat perched atop his head. Who is it? Gordon asked. My name is Dr. Linkletter, the stranger announced. I'm from the government. I'm here to help. I don't need any help, Gordon replied. Mr. Comstock, surely you can't keep going like this. What do you mean? Gordon asked through the door. Hiding in your home with the curtains drawn. Only coming out to get groceries once a week. Have you been spying on me? Mr. Comstock, may I call you Gordon? No. Gordon, let me in. I just want to talk. Go away. I'd rather not do that. If I go away now, I'll have to come back with the police. And I'm afraid we'll have to commit you. Commit me? Why? What you're doing is not healthy, Dr. Linkletter insisted. Just give me five minutes. I just want to talk. Gordon considered. He certainly didn't want to involve the police. And if they took him away to some institution, they probably wouldn't allow him to keep his ghost repeller. Why couldn't they just leave him alone? Gordon, will you open the door? Gordon unlocked the door and opened it a crack. He checked to make sure that Dr. Linkletter was indeed alone, that there weren't any ghosts trying to hitch a ride inside. Stepping back, he opened the door fully and gestured for the government psychologist to enter. Dr. Linkletter removed his fedora, handed it to Gordon, then shrugged out of his overcoat and handed it over as well. There was no coat rack in the small house, so Gordon placed the garments on a side table and followed Dr. Linkletter into his living room. His guest took the chair that he had been sitting in just moments earlier, so Gordon sat on his couch. Tell me, Gordon, Dr. Linkletter began, why are you so afraid of ghosts? Gordon almost shouted, I ain't afraid of no ghosts, but refrained. It's not natural, he replied instead. I didn't ask to be thrust into a world where disembodied spirits can come and go as they please, haunting us, living all day and night, everywhere we go. There are still people, Dr. Linkletter said. It's not your flesh that makes you who you are. It's your conscious mind, your memories. Just because they no longer have a body doesn't mean they are any different from you or I. That's not the point. Gordon insisted, shaking his head. Then what is? Gordon glared at Dr. Linkletter. They're not supposed to exist at all. Interesting, the psychologist observed. I take it you don't believe in life after death, or even God. No, not at all. It's all a fantasy. Myths created to control the masses. Stories invented to give us an incentive to behave so that we don't destroy the opportunity to live in eternal bliss. 
I'm beginning to understand the source of your anxiety. You've believed all your life that you're born, you live, and then you die, and that's it. But now you're confronted with incontrovertible evidence that there's something else. It's impossible, Gordon sighed. And yet, Dr. Linkletter observed. And yet, Gordon agreed. There was a moment of silence as the psychologist synthesized his breakthrough with Gordon into his overall assessment. There's someone I'd like you to talk to, he finally said. Who? Someone who cares about you a great deal. That comes to a grand total of zero, Gordon replied snidely. But I need you to do something for me in order for her to join us. What's that? Dr. Linkletter eyed the ghost repeller softly humming on the coffee table, its blue light pulsing. No, Gordon said reflexively, shaking his head violently from side to side. I'm afraid you don't have a choice. If you don't comply with my recommendations, commitment is compulsory. That doesn't seem legal. I'm not crazy. I just don't want to live in a world with ghosts. Yet, that's the world we have. Gordon stared at the device emitting the field that protected him from the presence of the unwanted spirits. But they'll all come in here. No, I promise. Just the one. How can you be sure? They're not as bad as you think they are, Dr. Linkletter reassured him. Please, Gordon, turn it off. Gordon reached out for the device and rested his finger on the power button for a second before pressing it. The device uttered an electronic whine as it fell dark. Gordon held his breath. Dr. Linkletter grinned, looking past Gordon to someone standing behind him. Gordon turned and saw his mother smiling down at him. Hello, Gordy, she said as she walked around from behind the couch and sat down next to her son. Mom? It's so nice to see you again, she said. Gordon stared at her. She didn't look like she did when she had died, all curled up in a frail, wrinkled bag of bones riddled with cancer. She was vibrant and happy, the way she looked before she got sick. Gordon, is there anything you want to say to your mother? He shook his head. Karen, is there anything you want to tell Gordon? She looked at him compassionately, her eyes full of love and her smile filled with concern. Oh, my boy, it's so good to see you. I wish you were as happy to see me. You're not real, Gordon replied, burying his face in his hands. This is all in my head. Then why, Dr. Linkletter asked, do you bother with that ghost repeller? Gordon removed his hands and peered over at the inert device. You can't have it both ways, the doctor pointed out. He looked at his mother. She reached out and touched his hand with hers. Gordon assumed her non-corporeal form would just pass through him, but he felt her. He actually felt her soft skin press against his, her warmth envelop his hand. He pulled his hand back and scooted as far away from her on the sofa as he could. The smile faded from Karen's face. She turned to Dr. Linkletter. You have to tell him, she urged. Tell me what? Gordon asked. Not yet, the doctor said. He's not ready. When is it? What aren't you telling me? Gordon, when was the last time you saw your father? The psychologist asked. What? When does that have to do with anything? It's a simple question. Tell me. When was the last time you saw or spoke to him? Gordon searched Dr. Linkletter's and his mother's faces for any hint as to why the question was important. 
I saw him just last. He couldn't finish the statement. When was it? Why was it so difficult to remember? Then something jumped into his mind. An image of a room filled with cabinets and machines, people wearing blue and green scrubs, his father's face smiling at him. At the hospital. I saw him at the hospital. Gordon hated hospitals. The smell of antiseptic and urine that pervaded the halls. The sounds of people moaning in pain, begging for relief. He had spent so much time in hospitals, visiting his mother as she withered away from the breast cancer that had spread to her lungs and bones when he was still just a boy. Why was he in the hospital? Gordon asked himself. He couldn't remember what had happened. Had he been sick? Is he dead? he asked. Karen sighed. Dr. Linkletter leaned forward. Think about it, Gordon. If your father was dead, he'd be a ghost. And do you think he wouldn't be here with you? Your mother has been outside your home every day. She has? Gordon asked, surprised. He knew there were dozens of ghosts lurking around his property, but he never took the time to look at their faces, to see if they were people he knew. He just shut them out. I don't understand. When was the last time your father came to visit you? Dr. Linkletter challenged. He comes over all the time, Gordon answered reflexively. But when he tried to picture his father sitting in his living room, or eating at his kitchen table, he couldn't recollect either situation ever happening. You know that's not true, the doctor asserted. Your father's never been in this house. Gordon eyed his ghost repeller. Because he's dead? He turned to Dr. Linkletter. I've been keeping him away with that machine, haven't I? Tell me where he is. He's not dead, Karen answered. Gordon glared at the specter of his mother. How would you know? You left us fifteen years ago. I didn't leave you, she said. I died. You broke his heart. Even though you hated him, he never moved on. I didn't hate your father. I loved you both dearly. I just couldn't stay married to him. We're getting off topic, Dr. Linkletter interjected. What else do you remember about the hospital? Why were you there? Why don't you tell me? You seem to have all the answers. Because it's important that you remember. How much longer are you going to waste time talking at him like this? A voice asked. Gordon turned and saw another ghost standing near his front door. Someone familiar. Jerry? What's up, Gordy? Long time no see. Really offended you didn't look for me. You died when we were in college. I know that. You think I don't know that? I'm the one who got pancaked by that sleepy truck driver who crossed into my lane when I was driving home for Christmas. Jeez, buddy, wake up. What do you think I've been trying to do? Ever since this nightmare began, I've been trying to wake up, Gordon insisted. Jerry laughed. Oh, dude, you are so messed up. Can we come in now? Another voice asked. This time it was another woman. Gordon turned around and saw a couple, the man standing with his beefy arm wrapped around his dainty wife's shoulders. They were his grandparents. Only they weren't the old man and woman he remembered. They were, like his mother, younger, healthier versions of themselves, faces from old photographs. More ghosts started walking through the walls. Some of the faces he recognized, family and friends. Others he didn't. Everyone, please. He's not ready, Dr. Linkletter said pleadingly. They all started talking at once. Gordon clapped his hands over his ears, but it did nothing to block out their voices, their ceaseless pleas. 
He turned and looked at the ghost repeller sitting on the coffee table, inactive, its reassuring blue light turned off. With a shaky hand, he reached out and pressed the power button. The device hummed to life, and the blue glow subtly pulsed. Gordon breathed a sigh of relief, waiting for the device to banish the ghosts from his presence. But it didn't. In fact, more of them appeared. He toggled the device off and back on again, then lifted it up, searching for the hidden thumb wheel that adjusted its intensity, dialing it up to maximum power. The humming grew louder, and the blue light became brighter, but the ghosts remained where they were. I'm sorry, Gordon, Dr. Linkletter explained. The reality is your ghost repeller never worked. We've just been giving you your space. Time to adjust. Adjust? How am I supposed to adjust to a world where the dead can come and go where they please and I can't do a thing about it? Oh, darling, his mother said. Don't you understand? Understand what? Gordon asked. You keep talking at me like I'm supposed to know something that all of you seem to know, but I don't. Dude, Jerry said, stepping forward. There was no breach. This whole fiction you invented about some experiment going wrong? It's creative, I'll give you that. But it's not real. Really, I just thought up a world-shattering cataclysm, and you all went along with my delusion. No one answered him. Think about it, Jerry urged. Does this look like your apartment? Where's your TV, your cell phone, your car? What are you talking about? Don't you think it's strange that you don't have any possessions beyond this tiny house and a few sticks of furniture? They, the breach, when the breach happened... Gordy, stop. There was no breach. There was, he insisted. It broke the world. No, Gordon, it didn't, Dr. Linkletter said in a soothing tone. Something happened, but it didn't break the world. Just your world. Your hold on it, at least. What does that mean? All of you keep talking in circles. What aren't you telling me? Dr. Linkletter and Karen exchanged a concerned look. Jerry walked up to his friend and kneeled down in front of him. Dude, you're dead. No, I'm not, Gordon said. But he instantly knew that his old friend was right. It happens sometimes, Dr. Linkletter explained. Your mind was so prejudiced against the existence of an afterlife to begin with, and your death was sudden and unexpected. When you found yourself here, you experienced what we call cognitive dissonance. Your whole worldview was challenged, so you created a situation that you could accept. But it wasn't the dead who had crossed over into your world. It was you crossing over into theirs. What happened? How did I die? The woman Gordon had seen outside the store, the one who always smiled at him, stepped forward from the growing throng of ghosts crowding his living room. You died trying to save me, she said. Julie? Gordon said, finally recognizing her. She was his fiancée. How could he have forgotten that? We were walking home from dinner. A man came up to us, demanded our money and valuables. He had a gun. When I hesitated giving him my engagement ring, he hit me. You tried to defend me, but he shot us both. The hospital, Gordon said, details and memories flooding into his mind. It wasn't me visiting my father. He came to see me, to be there when I died. Gordon collapsed back into the couch. I died, 
My life is over. This is how it all ends. Julie stepped over to where Jerry was crouched in front of Gordon, and with a look caused her fiancé's friend to stand up and step out of the way. Julie extended her hand to Gordon. He looked at her. She was more beautiful than he could remember her being, and perfectly at peace. It's not the end, she promised. Gordon reached out and took her hand, rising effortlessly to his feet as he did so. Her grasp was soft and comforting. She led him toward the front door, and together they walked through it and out into the world of the dead. The ghosts in the house watched them go. Are we really going to let her get away with that? Jerry asked Dr. Linkletter. One delusion at a time, the psychologist counseled. But still, Jerry protested as he took Gordon's place on the couch. There wasn't any gunman. She shot him and then killed herself when he tried to break off their engagement. Let's just let him be happy for a while. He has all of eternity to learn the truth. The psychologist leaned toward Jerry, his elbows on his knees, his fingers tented together. But perhaps you are ready to talk about who the sleepy driver really was that winter night. Thank you for listening to Ghost City, written especially for the Bedtime Stories for Insomniac's Fiction Podcast by Rich Hosek. Please remember to subscribe on your favorite podcast app, rate us on Apple, Spotify, and Audible, and share these stories as well as unabridged audiobook versions of my novels with anyone who enjoys audio fiction. Be sure to visit bedtimestories.studio where you can sign up for our Insomniac's Snoozeletter to be notified of new episodes and exclusive offers and get a free bookmark. You can visit richhosick.com to learn more about the host of Bedtime Stories for Insomniacs. Thanks again, and all the very best. <laughs>